Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Florida Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Holland. It is Thursday, August 20th, 2020. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hopefully you're having a great day today so far. Week has been good. And if you have weekend plans already set up, make sure that you get out and have as much fun as you can. I'm going to be heading down to Sarasota, down to Siesta Key. So pretty excited about that. But before I do all of that this weekend, I have to give you the information and the content for today and tomorrow. So it is Thursday. It's Throwback Thursday. Let's get into it. I actually am going to base today's podcast off of an article that I just read on realclearpolitics.com. And this was a article that pertains to Florida voting. And the title of the article is Florida Voter Tina Brown, Mail-in Ballots Label Political Affiliations with R and D. So read a little bit from this article. Down in Palm Beach, Florida, voter Tina Brown posted a video on social media on how mail-in ballots show the political affiliation of a voter when they open the envelope. Brown, a registered Republican, compared her ballot to her brother, a registered Democrat, and noted that the ballot he has a way to signify the party registration with an R or a D. Also, we should not have our political affiliations on there. That's simply it. Voter Tina Brown said in the now viral video, they can see who my political affiliation is, and I don't like that article goes on to say it is very important that we take these and bring it to the voting places and vote by person. Do not vote by mail. So I'm going to go ahead and jump down a little bit to different part that I wanted to touch on. And as according to WFLX TV, Brown has received mostly positive feedback and her phone has been ringing off the hook. She said her phone has been ringing crazy after the video went viral and every single cell and call and email has been positive with the exception of about three. And we're talking about thousands, Brown said. Vicki Davis is the supervisor of elections in Martin County, said she saw the video too and has received calls about it. She responded with saying the labeling, make sure voters get their proper primary election ballot specific to their party affiliation. Florida is a closed primary state. I'm actually going to do a video about what that means down the road because someone actually asked me about that yesterday. I just don't have time to go into that specific topic today, but I will. I'll make a bonus podcast just to go over what closed versus open primary states are. David said fraud as a result of the labeling would be highly unlikely. She also went on to say, I don't know that a postal worker would have time to go through ballots in their general workday and remove those ballots. Brown would like to see a new way of labeling ballots without an R and a D. Davis says there are no plans for changing the labels. So one of the things I, that caught my eye right away when she said, and this would be Ms. Davis, and she said, I don't know that a postal worker would have time to go through ballots in their general workday and remove those ballots. That is good that you don't know that. I'm glad that you said that because that's very true. You don't know that. And I don't want to leave it up to 
people at a post office that, who knows? I don't know what their agenda is, but I know if I go to a voting poll and vote in person that I'll be right there voting in person. So be that as it may. And that goes back to the podcast I dropped earlier this week when I mentioned the big hang up right now between Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats as it pertains to this fiasco going on with the Postal Service and Trump offering them $10 billion in the stimulus package negotiations or the second stimulus package negotiations. They turned that down. They want $25 billion. Trump said he wasn't going to give them anything. And then Nancy Pelosi said that they may come back early to try to negotiate this deal with the post office. God forbid they come back early. Excuse me. They come back early to negotiate to get hardworking American citizens money and relief that they deserve. And it was a brilliant, brilliant political move by Trump to go about that the way that he did because it's it's just so crystal clear in this situation. Now he backed the Democrats into a corner because if you come back now based off of the post office, you clearly see the American people clearly see who your true motivation to serve is. Not the American people. It's your donors. It's the people like George Soros who spent millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on mail-in voting campaigns. And if you don't come back, then you look like you don't care about the American people. So politically, it was a brilliant move by Trump and his team. So, you know, the throwback in this podcast is, in, in reality, we know that election fraud has been going on since the beginning of time. I mean, it just... It is a part of the process. It's power, it's money, and when those two things run next to each other, you're going to have corruption. Again, I mean, has there ever been a election in Chicago that hasn't been corrupt? I don't know. So it's, it's a situation where I could talk about several different instances where voter fraud, election fraud has bit the people in the butt. But this time around, it's very important to go back. I always go back to Bill Clinton getting elected in this country back in 92 when he defeated, um, Jesus Christ, it just skips my brain right now who he was running against in that election. But him and Al Gore won in 92. And that began the transformation of the Democratic Party into, that's basically when I would say they became a part of the globalist agenda, which is, you know, one, I hate to say the New World Order, but if you look at all of the people that were in D.C. at that time and look at the, just the vast amounts of money that they've made over that time period, you're talking about between 92 to 2016, where all of these people were, it didn't matter if they ran against each other, they were still all a part of what Trump has coined the swamp. And I mean, just look at the, I mean, some of these networks, net worths are just 
absolutely absurd. I mean, you have Al Gore, who was Bill Clinton's VP. He would then lose to George W. Bush. But I mean, he used climate change. Notice how I said climate change, global warming. Um, to the tune, he's worth $330 million. Obviously, he has several additional investments, but you know the relationships that you can make in D.C. now and the, the vast money that is to be had once you are no longer in office, it's just unbelievable. I mean, the Clintons are worth over $120 million. You, know, you had uh, John McCain being worth over $200 million. Look at the money that Obama's made since he left office. I mean, it's just one of those things where globalization allows a small group of the elites to obviously have power. And that's what it's all about. It's about money. It's about power. If it's one world government, then one group of people will always be in charge. And it's the easiest way to keep other people down and not from rising up is if you have one huge, you know, world government. So again, the the idea that you can look back at that time span. Again, I'm talking about 92 to 2016. So it's 28 years of just the swamp doing what the swamp does. And what we're seeing right now, as a matter of fact, we saw it after the 2016 election when Trump won is a shift in, okay, now there's somebody in office that is just saying F you to everybody. Because that's the thing. When you understand globalization, you know that there are people on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, working together for one agenda that's going to benefit them, that power structure. And you have Trump coming in in 2016, and I'm not going to get into all of his um, pieces of legislation that I've loved. I'll do that in a different podcast. But it was the first time since, you know, I mean, you really want to, I don't, I'm not going to throw a specific president's name out there, but it's the first time in a long time we had someone in office who just said, I'm going to get stuff done. And that's what Trump was saying that he was going to do. His record has impressed me unbelievably. And to be where we are here in 2020, this, again, they thought Hillary Clinton was going to just come in and keep the global, globalist machine and agenda moving. Trump comes in, and for the first time in a long time, these people are. They're like caged animals when it comes to the thought of them losing their power. You ever seen, you know, the desperation of an animal when they are caged and can't get out and feel trapped? What they're willing to do, chew their arm off to get out, or chew one of their legs off if they have to to get out. Doesn't matter. Um, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing just a group of people who, realistically, I think, are like. Huh, this is going to be really tough to keep this charade going and or we're going to take another huge hit in terms of the globalist agenda if this guy, meaning Donald Trump, gets elected again. Not to mention all of the craziness that's going on with the riots and all of the distractions, the things that are going on behind the scenes that you really have to be focused on. I personally keep saying it goes back to the distractions of making sure that people are not focused on the amount of people that are being implicated in this pedophilia ring. I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell, this is the one thing I try to keep up on this every single day because this could be the biggest, it will be. If Trump gets elected, 
and Ghislaine Maxwell stays alive, this will be the biggest political scandal this world has ever seen, in my opinion. The facts are already starting to line up. The people that are being implicated, I mean, just the idea of the names we've heard already, to think there are several names that are probably listed, named in initial investigations, this thing is going to be out of control. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But the point is, it may, to, to look at the ballot situation, I am all for going to vote in person. But I think a lot of people are looking at it as if it's a conspiracy theory for us. You know, and I think a lot of times people say conspiracy theory because they don't want to believe how power, how much power corrupts people. I think that's the one thing that I constantly have to tell people and or remind people of. I'm like, you don't understand the lengths that people will go to to keep political power and or acquire it. And now with the vast amounts of money after campaign finance reforms, laws that happened in 2002, 2010, you can just funnel money. There's so much money to be made that by the time you get to D.C., you represent all the people who gave you the money and not the people that, you know, you said that you were going to represent. But that falls back on us to make sure we're doing a great job of vetting these people that are running for office who are supposed to be representing us, and more importantly, making sure that we are building relationships, making sure that we are collaborating with people at the state level, just individuals. You know, all it takes is one person. Go talk to one of your friends. That's all it takes. Just share information and make sure that you have goals and you have an idea of exactly how you want people to represent you at the local level. And I think that will be one of the ways that we can combat the swamp because obviously money is something that we can't go into our pockets as deep as they go into their pockets and be able to use that. So, you know, just make sure that you're staying on top of the news. I'm going to continue to give you every piece of info that I get. And, you know, let's get to this election. It's great. I'm excited. So again, that is going to be it for today's podcast. I will be back with you tomorrow. Till next time, this is the Florida Podcast, signing off.